So, Genesis chapter 32 is what we're looking at. But actually, um, Jacob's reunion with his estranged brother Esau, which, which is what this chapter focuses on, this is actually the, the culmination of the much wider story of Jacob's whole life. Uh, Jacob's story really sort of begins in chapter 27 of Genesis, and it begins with his separation from his brother Esau. Um, and that earlier chapter, where Esau and Jacob really badly fall out, uh, shares a number of themes with this chapter, chapter 32, where Esau and Jacob uh, are brought back together again. It shares themes of Jacob's name, which is prominent. It shares themes of, of course, the brothers, Jacob and Esau, and also this word blessing and what it means to desire blessing. Now, at the beginning of Jacob's story in chapter 27, Jacob's elderly father, who was Isaac, um, had asked uh, Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob had lied. He'd made himself appear like Esau, and he'd lied and said, I am Esau. And in doing that, Jacob ended up stealing the blessing that his father intended for Esau. And Jacob kind of tricked his father uh, into taking that blessing instead of his brother. And what that eventually ended up in was Jacob having to run away and flee for his life because his brother Esau was so angry about what had happened. So, so at the beginning of Jacob's sort of story, there's this rupture between brothers and there's retaliation, there's hostility and there's separation. Now, if we approach life in that kind of way, you know, as, as if life is a contest to outdo each other for blessing. We too often, you know, do that and see our human brothers as rivals, you know. If we live as if, as if that's how we've got, to, we've got to live life, you know, as if the only way to obtain blessing in life is by taking it from others, for example, we will end up just living life at each other's expense and life will continue to see that kind of pain and division and trouble and hurt. But here in chapter 32 of Genesis, after, if you've read the whole of Jacob's story, we follow Jacob through many ups and downs over many intervening years. Jacob is now about to meet his brother again. And although, you know, Jacob's a very different person by now, after those years have passed, this un the uncertainty of now meeting his brother again makes him really frightened. He's really afraid, chapter uh, verse 7 in chapter 32 says Jacob was in great fear and distress about meeting Esau. And at this point in the story, God comes to meet Jacob. And he does a kind of rerun of the old question from chapter 27, what is your name? The question that caused so many problems early on in Jacob's life was now being asked of Jacob again by God. What is your name? Who are you? And Jacob has the opportunity, I think, at this point, to think again about how he responds to that, about who he is, in other words, and about what it means to find blessing in life, and where we look for blessing, for example. And he says this now, it's kind of all repeated as he's preparing to meet his brother again. You know, instead of usurping the place of others, has Jacob now learnt to be Jacob, to be who he is? and see blessing as something very different to what he used to. 
And maybe we are in that place. Maybe we have been, I don't know, for example, maybe we've been trying to wrestle our identity and our worth from someone else or from some other version of reality that says, you've got to be this to be a blessed person. Maybe we've been fighting that kind of battle to just come to terms with who we are all our life. It's a battle if we fight it in the wrong way that will never end. Maybe we're even a bit like Jacob, running away from ourselves and from our past and from our fears. But maybe we can, like Jacob, we can come to God instead, just as we are, and allow God to shape us and to speak to us, because he is the one who actually knows us through and through. It's fascinating that this, in Jacob's story, all of this, in chapter 32, takes place as a struggle. Jacob wrestles in the dark with a mysterious man who it turns out to be God. And they wrestle and they struggle together. Now Jacob, of course, has, has grown over the years. He's learned a lot. He's probably matured quite a lot. But there are still fears that he carries and there's still, shall we say, a certain darkness about things. But now he discovers that in that darkness he's actually wrestling with, God, wrestling with God this time. Not his brother anymore or himself, but with God. Familiar old questions come back to Jacob about who he is and about pursuing blessing in life and what that should look like. But he faces those questions again now, having lived through those years. Sometimes we feel a bit like Jacob, perhaps. You know, we, we're still wrestling, maybe in the dark a bit. We're still trying to learn the lessons of the years that have passed. But maybe we find we're actually beginning more and more to wrestle with God about all of this. Asking God, like Jacob did, what's your name, Lord? You know, asking, who are you, God, in all of this? How do I hold on to you? in all that's happened and in all that's to come. Because I think, like Jacob, we're all a bit afraid of what's to come, aren't we? Uh, and we don't want to let go of the hope that we believe God can give us. So when Christians have looked at this story in Genesis 32, they've often talked, for example, about wrestling with God in prayer. But actually it's about more than just praying, this chapter. Jacob is wrestling with questions about himself, and about his fears, and about his past, and what happened in the past, and about his future, and what on earth is going to lie ahead for him, even just tomorrow. And he's wrestling, yes, with all of those things, all those questions that we're used to wrestling with. But what's important is that Jacob can wrestle with God about those things. We can wrestle with God. And I'm encouraged by that. God is willing to let Jacob prevail with him, it says. God doesn't mind if we struggle with him about things. If we're just honest and take hold of him and say, do you know what, God, I'm not going to let you go until, until you've said something, until I can see something. God's not afraid of that. You know, this chapter, they don't sort of sit down for afternoon tea. You know, sometimes in life it is like a struggle <clears throat> with God. We're wrestling with who he is. And actually God is fine with that. You know, we don't have to always put on airs and graces with God. When you're in... A, in darkness and struggling, it's ridiculous to do that, isn't it? God knows you're struggling. God knows you're angry or whatever or afraid. Just be honest with him and like Jacob you find he's not going to push you away at the sound of your struggle. 
He lets us tug at his sleeves. He lets us wrestle, even quite stubbornly sometimes, insist that God hears us and our prayers. Because when we do that, actually what we're saying to God is, God, I'm, I'm not going to let you go. And actually, I think God loves us to be in that place where we've realised at last that it's God that we need to cling on to. And in fact, a bit like Jacob here, you know, we, we think we're the one who've gone after God to take hold of him. But actually, just like Jacob, actually, it was God who came to meet him in the night. And often that's true for us, isn't it? We, God actually makes himself available in our struggles so that we can take hold of him. Because he doesn't want us to grab onto things that he knows aren't actually going to help us anyway. And he actually wants us to finally take hold of him because he knows he's the one who can give us that strength, that stability, that clarity perhaps, that hope that we need. He does not want us just drifting around aimlessly, never finding what we're looking for. You know, isn't that why the Father sent the Son, Jesus, into the world? As John puts it, Jesus came as a light into our darkness in order to be, John says, the light of all mankind. God is here. Christ has come so that we can finally meet with God and struggle in the right way in life. And, and like Jacob, you know, when we as, we, as the years go by and we, you know, we go through all the experiences life brings, as we go through the ups and downs of our faith, you know, the times when we feel like God's not there and the times when we really feel like he is, actually at the end of it all, like Jacob here, we, we go from it changed. We absolutely do. You know, from that day on, we're told Jacob limped. But actually the limp forever reminded Jacob of that time, that blessing that he had found in God when he was struggling. Yes, he limped, but I guess every time he sort of got off of bed and thought, oh, he probably thought, this was when I met God and he taught me what real blessing is about. And, and some of us have got those, you know, I've heard testimonies here in this church of people who say the most difficult times in their life have actually been when they've learned more than ever about God. And I've shared with you that that's been true of me too. Like Jacob, we limp after that day, but the limp reminds us of God's blessing. Even Jesus, you know, it's interesting when Jesus rose from the dead, one thing he kept was his scars so that he could show them, you know, like the scars on Jesus' hands and feet and side. For him, the struggle was the cross. But God, like, like with Jesus, God died, but then he rose again into new life. For us too, the scars often are the way God brings us through into new life. Now Jacob asked for blessing. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. In other words, Jacob was saying, I refuse to leave this distress, God. I refuse to just leave this suffering and darkness without something to hold on to without some means of going on and facing what I fear. Uh, Jacob wanted that so that he could face his brother tomorrow. Uh, and, but this time, isn't it interesting that when he spoke about blessing, he wasn't anymore speaking about you know, what he was going to inherit when his dad died. That was what he stole from his brother Esau. For now, blessing has got nothing to do with that kind of thing. Now he wants simply to know the blessing of God in his life. And Jacob asked for it, and he received it. 
Blessing is very different now for Jacob. It's not property that he, you know, the sort of thing that you can trick and take off other people. It's not about money. You know, we often think of blessing as, you know, how much money we've got or what sort of job we've got or house or car or whatever. But actually, Jacob has perhaps over the years realized that at the end of the day, that doesn't mean much at all. What matters is that God is faithful and to know that he is our God and that he's with us. And so when he asks for blessing, he receives that knowledge this time. He says, I've seen God face to face now and I'm alive. And God asks him his name. You know, who are you? What's your name? Remember, that was the question Isaac had asked him years ago. And Jacob had lied in order to steal a very material blessing from his brother. God now asks him, okay, what's your name, Jacob? And he says, I am Jacob. He says who he really is. He says the truth. A name that, and the name Jacob actually refers to his past. Uh, it, it sort of means to, to supplant or to, to grab the heel. Uh, you, if you know the big story of the twins being born, Isaac and, uh, Jacob and Esau, you'll know what that was about. You know, Jacob's name actually, when he spoke it, meant I'm a person who actually sort of deceived and tricked and stole something. But instead of trying to run away from that now, or pretend he's something else, he just says, yes, Lord, I'm Jacob, I'm that person, but I need you to bless me, Lord. And God did bless him. And in fact, it's only after that, verse 28, it's only when Jacob could say, this is who I am, that God then said, okay, now I can give you a new name. Now there's a new start. You know, if we keep coming to God covering up, trying to come to God with accolades about, oh, look, God, I'm really good, and all this and that, God's really not interested in us coming to him like that. What's the point? It's just a facade. But when Jacob finally drops the facade, and God says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jacob. I'm exactly who I am with all my fears and my past. And then God says, okay, now we can go forward with a new beginning. And he gives him a new name instead. We must sometimes, we just need to stop running away from ourselves. And we need to run to God with ourselves instead. There's an old Christian hymn that puts it like this. Uh, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that you bid me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict and many a doubt, fightings and fears within and without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, you will receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because your promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. The Lamb of God is Jesus. Uh, for us, it's, Jesus, it's in Jesus that we ultimately meet God face to face. And as we think of the cross where Jesus died for us, we see... God has actually met us right in our darkness. We're told there was a darkness that fell as Jesus died. That darkness, I think, represents all our sorrows and sins and fears and sadnesses and mistakes as well. And what does Jesus do? He dies in our place within that darkness. He doesn't run away from us. He doesn't say, well, I don't want anything to do with you. He says, I'll take it. 
and I'll die for you. And that's how we know that the God that Jacob met, who let him wrestle with him and stayed with him in the night so that he could finally say, who are you? Now his blessing. Jesus has done that for, for you and me as well. We look at the cross and Jesus hangs there and says, who are you? And we say, well, yeah, we're sinners. You're there for us too. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And then he rises from the dead and he says, my peace I give to you. You know, that's the good news. Life is not that contest either to outdo each other or to impress God. Life is about coming to God and discovering that he already knows who we are and that when we come to him as we are, he's a God of infinite grace who loves to bless us. And then, you know, Jacob's able to go and meet his brother. And, and what's so wonderful, if you carry on in the story, um, when morning came, Jacob, you know, he's got the courage to, yes, I'm going to go and meet my brother. He's still quite apprehensive, because last time he, is, he knew his brother, his brother was trying to kill him. And sometimes we're, you know, we're, maybe we're a bit afraid to meet our past mistakes. But Jacob had to. He had to meet Esau. And he could. And, and amazingly, to his great surprise, when he did meet Esau, God had been speaking to Esau too. Esau had grown. Esau had dealt with his past. He had let go of the old anger. And, he, and Esau runs to Jacob and he throws his arms around him, if you, if you read the next chapter, and he embraces him and he kisses him and they weep for joy together. God's doing this for so many people around the world. You know, chapter 32 that we're in now, in verse 30, Jacob said he's seen the face of God, right? If you just look ahead, if you've got your Bible, into chapter 33, verse 10, Jacob says that in another sense, his reunion with his brother Esau was also in another way, he says, like seeing the face of God. You know, I, I think there's something important in that. We, sometimes, yes, we see individually, me, myself, I have some, I, I just, God speaks and, or whatever, or we can see God and we really have a sense of that. But do you know where God also is seen? He's seen in your brother and sister and in their love for you, their forgiveness of you, perhaps, like, like Esau here. That's often where we see God, in what he's doing in each other, in what he's doing in the church, in the community. You know, we see God face to face there too. You know, and I think that's because God doesn't want to just do this for you alone, and then, okay, you're okay. He wants us to walk this journey together as we seek God and listen, and that's why he's also building a church. I mean, with a big C there, not, not just this church, but... All over the world, God is building a community who have met with God and can now go out and share that blessing with others.